gracious God, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, a little exercise for you this morning. I want you to complete the following sentences. I have three sentences for you. I want you to complete them. I'll give you the first half. You give me the rest, all right? Number one, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, okay? Uh, number two, actions speak louder than words, all right? One more, number three, talk is cheap. All right? Now, why do we say things like that? Why is it that we have such a low opinion of words? Well, I would argue that the problem is not with the words themselves. The problem is with our lack of sincerity whenever we utter them. Roman numeral one, on the back of your bulletin, words become powerless. They become powerless through our insincerity, through our lack of honesty. We rob them of their power. They are inherently powerful, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But we rob them of their power through our own insincerity. For example, uh, part, part A, point A, a cliche conversation. Now, I, I'm not putting this down. I'm just saying that when we speak this way, like, hi, how are you? Do we really care how you are? I mean, if we do, great. If not, it's just kind of word fillers, right? And there's nothing wrong with that per se, except that it, it devalues the currency, the words that we use. Uh, I may say, hi, how are you? And then you'll respond, fine. Well, are you really fine? You know, chances are your body language is going to communicate more to me about how you really feel than your words do. And that's, this is true also, point B, of unfulfilled promises. Uh, for, for example, somebody may say to you, hey, I'll, I'll give you a call sometime. Or we'll come by sometime. All right? Do they really mean that? Good question. Or somebody will say, hey, pastor, I'm coming to church. <laughs> You'll see. I'll be there. Will they? Good question. We are quick to make promises to others because it makes us feel better about ourselves when we do. But then when we fail to fulfill the promise that we've made, we undermine the value of our words and our words have lost whatever power to convince, to persuade that they may have had. This is how talk becomes cheap. See, the problem is not with the words themselves, but our lack of sincerity, our lack of truthfulness when we speak the words. Roman numeral two in your outline. Yet words are powerful instruments. They are powerful instruments. There's all kinds of instruments, right? 
God said, my word is like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. See, that's the word as instrument, right? And Revelation 1.16, I cite that. Uh, there's this vision of Jesus, and he's quite frightening, actually, in glory. And his face is shining like the sun, and out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. See, that's his word is like a sharp two-edged sword. There's no sword in his hand. He doesn't need one. The sword is coming out of his mouth. It's his speech, his words, and those words have power. And that echoes the prophet Isaiah, who wrote these words. Speaking of the Messiah, he wrote, He will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Words are powerful instruments. Point A, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I think all of us know that. We experience that. We hear of cases where people have maybe taken their own lives because of something said or something that wasn't said. Words can kill, and you don't have to be God in order to kill someone with your words. Now, I was doing a little research on this um, this past week. On, I was looking up event venues in Columbus, Indiana, and Seymour as well. Um, there's the Factory 12 event loft. Okay, have you ever been there? Factory 12, yeah. Yeah, there's um, Irwin Gardens. That's an event venue, I guess. I didn't realize it was, but it is. Uh, th these are places where people gather for weddings. They gather for... Um, conferences, um, fundraisers, banquets, and so on. Well, point B in your outline, Jesus' words are events. His words are events. Uh, just look at our gospel lesson for today. He's teaching them in the synagogue, and the people are amazed. I mean, they're startled out of their socks at the power of this man's words, because he speaks the truth, and the truth has power. Then he encounters a demon-possessed man. And with a command, the demon comes out. The demon must obey. People are astonished. He even, by words, he rebukes a fever. A high fever. This woman was sick. But immediately, after the rebuke of the fever, she gets up and serves them. She's completely well, immediately. Words are powerful instruments. Wherever Jesus is, things of importance happen. That's what an event is. I even looked up, what is the definition of an event? An event is something of importance that happens. Okay? Something you're bound to remember. You probably remember events you've been to. A wedding sort of a fundraiser, whatever it may have been. So memorable events, significant events. And Jesus' words are actually his deeds. You know, scholars, when they, when they look at the Gospels, Matthew's Gospel is a good example. They'll say, okay, Jesus speaks words in the Sermon on the Mount, and then he goes around healing and casting out demons. Then those are his deeds. 
And it's like that throughout Matthew's Gospel and the other Gospels. He speaks, then he goes and does things. But that distinction is really artificial because the things he does, he does by speaking. It's all about his word. He casts out demons by speaking. He heals by speaking. Oh, sometimes he'll touch as well, and I, I think the touch is to, is to build up faith in the person that he's healing. But he does it by word. God does everything by speaking. We've made that point repeatedly here. He made the world by speaking. He does everything by speaking. And those words are either law or gospel. That's the polarity of God's word. It's either one or the other. Number one, under part B, the law creates godly sorrow. St. Paul wrote, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to life and to no regret. We want you to be sorrowful when the occasion demands it, but with a godly sorrow, not a sorrow that you were caught. Too many experience worldly sorrow like that. But we want you to experience godly sorrow, like, yeah, this is me. I'm guilty. I need Jesus. It's not my neighbor, but it's me. The law creates godly sorrow. Number two, the gospel creates faith, faith in Jesus Christ. You know, if, if the law is your pro if God's your problem, only God can be your solution, right? God accuses you in the law, you're guilty, condemned, and in the gospel, you're forgiven and released from any and all condemnation. The gospel creates faith, faith in Jesus. It's the power of God for salvation to all who believe, St. Paul writes. Faith comes by hearing the message, by words. And these words are events. Roman numeral three, to gather in his name is to gather for an event. We gather in his name here. And Jesus himself is the premier event venue. Jesus said, wherever two or more gather in my name, there I am in their midst. Christ himself is active here. He is the host of the meal. He is the meal. He's the one who speaks. It's not my word. It's his word that forgives you. Christ himself is present, Matthew 18, 20, where two or more gather. Number one, sins are removed here. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Sins are removed. Number two, new life is given. A life that never ends. We're born again, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed. The first time we were born of perishable seed, we all get older, we all die, but we've been born again of imperishable seed, which is the living and enduring word of God. Number three, faith is strengthened. The longer you're away from God's word, the more doubts arise in your heart, and the weaker your faith becomes. The more you hear his promise, the more your faith is strengthened the more his joy fills your heart. Number four, relationships are restored. Relationships are restored. Life's all about relationships and nothing else. Between the Lord and you and between you and your neighbor. 
And the restoration occurs in the presence of the Lord, of all those relationships. Letter B, our words are eventful, our words are eventful when we speak the truth. When we speak the truth. When we speak sincerely. When we mean what we say. I cite Matthew 5.37. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus understood that we rob words of their power when we're not sincere in what we say. And St. Paul wrote, this is from Ephesians 4, laying aside all falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. Speak truth with your neighbor. Now, you know as well as I, that's easier said than done. Sometimes the truth is the last thing we want to hear. And sometimes the truth is the last thing we want to say to someone who needs to repent. But apart from the truth, my friends, apart from the truth, there is no meaningful change. Apart from the truth, there is no reconciliation. There is no salvation. There is no forgiveness. Apart from the truth that we have a loving and forgiving Father who sent his Son to die for you, for me, and for the world. That's the truth. Years ago, I participated in what's called an intervention. Someone was abusing alcohol. It's not an uncommon thing. And several of us realized that. We witnessed it. We saw the effects of it. And we'd rather not do it, but we knew out of love for that individual, we needed to confront, lovingly confront. And so we knew where this individual would be at a certain place, a certain time, and several of us got there before he did. And we said, in so many words, this is what we've witnessed. This is what we know. And we love you enough to tell you that. God loves you, and we love you too. That's why we're here. Turn. Trust him. He's with you, and we're with you also. Now, I remember that like it was yesterday. It was an event. It was an occasion of some importance when truth was spoken. You remember that. We don't remember those times when we speak flippantly, but when we utter the truth, it stays with us. That's an intervention. And my friends, that's what the Lord does in each one of our lives. God intervenes. He's intervened in your life, he's intervened in my life. He does so through his people. Through his people, God holds a mirror up to each one of us and says, this is you. This is what you're doing. And I love you enough to tell you, stop, turn. This is what you're doing to yourself. I love you enough to tell you, 
and I love you enough to tell you that your sin has already been paid for at the cross. Jesus died for you. Believe that. You are his child. God loves you, and we love you too. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we're called to speak to one another. God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness for sinners. And when we speak such powerful words to anyone, it is an event. It is a happening of importance. It is salvation. It is meaningful, God-inspired change. And it happens to all of us. I, I really don't make a big distinction anymore between words and deeds. Words do things. They influence people. Someone wrote, the pen is mightier than the sword. There's a lot of truth in that. Your words bring others down. It, it brings them low. And I hope when your words do bring someone low, it's for the right reason. It's to create godly sorrow that leads to repentance and eternal life. And your words also lift someone up, those who are low, those who understand what they've done or what they've left undone. Your words lift them up and speak comfort and peace to them. My friends, your words are powerful instruments. When they are sincere, your words are powerful when they speak truth. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, amen.